This is Friday Game Changers, taking your business to the next level. Coming up on Kizzy's Friday Game Changers. I guess the easiest way to put it is I just imagine myself on my deathbed and I take it really literally and I, I want to look back and just be like, wow, like my life, I crushed it. And also, it's hard to work a job and also start a business. It's the hardest thing in the world to do because you you don't have a lot of energy. Like you're, you're, you're coming at the end of a day of eight, nine, 10 hour days at work Plus you got kids or a wife or a family or a girlfriend, whatever. And then you got to spend the next four to five hours working on your business that's generating no income. That's hard. So to me, during the virus, when you have all this extra time, why wouldn't you try to start an online business? Because there's no other obligations. You're just sitting at home. All of this, plus a great elevator pitch from Hayden Brass of Zero Relief, uh, a book of the week recommendation from business mentor David Furs, and great music from Palab Saka of Apollo Strategic Communications. It's fair to say that Friday's just got a whole lot more interesting. Hi, this is Ray Zinn. Hi, I'm Jamie Martin from Ideal Shopping Direct. I'm Kate Bell, founder of Zip Us In. Hi, my name is Eirik Aide-Patterson. I'm a co-founder of Seaborg Technologies. Hi, I'm Katie Farrell, transformation coach, founder of The Catalyst for Life. Hey everybody, I'm David Frangioni, CEO and co-founder of All Access IDA, Inspire and Develop Artists, and you're listening to Kizzy's Friday Game Changer. Check it out. Hello, my name is Jason Vanderveer. I'm the founder of Goal Crazy Planners. And my advice to anybody that's looking to start a business of theirs would be to ask for help. Before I started my business, I had spent actually six months meeting with individuals who had started businesses, lots of people who started similar businesses to what I was going to start. And it was a make it or break it for my product and business successfully starting all the tips and insights and lessons I could learn from them were extremely helpful. So I've kind of made it a rule of mine now whenever I am thinking about starting something new or making a change, I want to be able to meet with, sit down and talk to at least two people who have done what I'm trying to do so that I can hear how their experience went, what they learned from it, what recommendations they would have, and really Doing that, I would strongly recommend for anybody. It has helped me a ton and hopefully it can help you too. Welcome to Kizzy's Friday Game Changers with your host, Kizzy Nkwacha. A show for innovators and motivators, people just like you. Kizzy is the publisher of Business Game Changer magazine and the property investor, editor of the successful Women in Business book series and the best-selling Every Entrepreneur's Guide series. Every week, Kizzy and his guests provide you with the tools you need to take your game-changing business to the next level. Listen, learn, and innovate. Now meet your host, your mentor, and your fellow game changer, Kizzy Nkwacha. Hello and welcome to Kizzy's Friday Game Changers. This is one of a series of special shows dedicated to helping business people adapt to the new reality presented by the coronavirus. Over the coming months, we'll be walking side by side with you as we explore the idea that resilience is all about accepting your new reality, even if it's less good than the one you had before. You can fight it, you can do nothing but scream about what you've lost, or you can accept the world we're in and try to put together something that's good. Because the truth is, life doesn't get any easier or more forgiving. We get stronger and more resilient. This week, my guest on Voice of the Phoenix is Tana Chidista, CEO of Elite CEOs. Tana believes that when life gives you lemons, 
you have to learn to make lemonade. And Tanner argues that this challenging time might just be the perfect opportunity to start your own business. In just a few minutes, I'll be talking to Tanner Chidester and uncovering his secrets for game-changing success. Don't go away. Hi, this is Brittany. I'm the CEO of TikTok Sales System. I'm here for Kizzy's Friday Game Changers, the world's number one podcast experience. Thanks for dropping in. This is the voice of the Phoenix and I'm in the studio talking to Tanner Chidester, CEO of Elite CEOs. Tanner, it's great to have you join me. Yeah, thanks so much for having me, man. I'm excited to be here. Believe me, the pleasure's all mine, Tanner. Now look, Tanner, you're very different from many entrepreneurs because you built a B2C, business to consumer business first, then began consulting to help others. Tell us how your business career started. Yeah, well, shoot, I don't, I don't know how far you want me to go back, but you know, I'll try to give you a quick rerun. But um, really, simply, I, I grew up and in kind of a sheltered household. I got made fun of a lot of as a kid, and that actually drove me to start working out in the gym. My mindset at the time was, I'm going to beat these kids up. You know, it was pretty immature. I was like 11, 12 years old. So before school, I'd go to the gym around 5:30 a.m. I'd get to school around like 7:30 or 8. And, you know, before you knew it, I started getting compliments and I started excelling in sports. And, you know, I was like, hey, this this isn't half bad. You know, I, I work out, I work hard and people treat me better. Um, and that was kind of a big catapult for me. It really changed my work ethic. It really changed my view as a child, just like on what you can get out of life. And it really it just reinforced in me that, hey, if I want something and I work hard, I can get it. Um, and that was kind of a very pivotal time for me. So through the next, you know, 10 years or so, I was going through high school, made really good grades, was very, um, did very well in sports, um, got a couple scholarship offers for American football. And I went and did that. And you know, when that was wrapping up, I got hurt. I just got hurt so many times. I realized that I wasn't ever going to play in the NFL, you know, and that's a big dream for most, uh, most athletes over here in America. So when that was done, I really didn't kind of know what I wanted to do. And I was going to school, but, and I had good grades. I was actually an engineer, but it was just so boring. And I was just thinking about the rest of my life in its entirety because I never done it before outside of sports. I just, you know, as an athlete, you never think it's going to end. You're going to play forever. And when it ended, I really didn't know what I wanted to do. So I sat down with the mentor. His name's David Fry. And he kind of introduced me to the world of ClickFunnels. And he's married to Russell Brunson's. Um, it's a cousin of his or something. So he just said, hey, why don't you start a business? And I, you know, I was like, well, I have no clue how. No one in my family has ever built a business or is entrepreneurial. So long story short, um, he said, hey, if you drop out of school, I'll mentor you for free. Don't know why he did it. Like, I just think he was trying to help out. Really good guy. And so the next one to two years, I sat in his office for free, worked a part-time job, lived at home, and just learned all about online marketing. Um, those first two years, I made about two grand. <laughs> was really bad. Absolutely just horrible. But I was learning a lot of stuff at the time that I didn't realize was going to propel me to make, you know, the millions of dollars I made today. So long story short, I'm now 25. So I, I got out of school around 22 and a half, 23. Now I'm 25. And I'm really starting to feel the pressure. Uh, you know, my family had said it wasn't a good idea. My ex-girlfriend had told me I was an idiot. It, you know, it was all those types of things. So this mentor was the only one who really thought I was going to be able to do anything. Uh, so long story short, at this point, I've gone from, I was a server, 
I did some training and then I was also doing door-to-door sales. So again, door-to-door sales was huge for me and the success I've had because I really learned how people think, how to sell, what to say, what not to say, stuff of that nature. And so I'm 25. I really am just going, okay, I'm going to go for it this year. If I don't get, I'm going to go back to school. I'm scrolling on Instagram or excuse me, Facebook. I see an ad for business coaching. Didn't even know what that was at the time. Uh, got on a phone call, had no idea what high ticket sales was. They sold me on the spot with money I did not have. And I got on the program and it, and it was it was how to build an online training business. And I actually didn't think the program was that great. Uh, you know, I try to be pretty fair and critical or I guess not critical, logical. But what was interesting is they the one thing that I got was, hey, you can sell online training programs for $1,500 plus. At the time, I just couldn't believe that. I was like, there's no way. Like, that's impossible. No, like, no, like you really can't. So I was like, okay. So I go on my social media. I just reach out to people. At this point, again, I've learned a lot about sales. I'm very good with people. I've always been a pretty good speaker. And in the first week, I made like 10 grand. And I was like, oh my gosh. Like, I figured it out. Like, this is it. And from there, you know, over the next two years, I went from that moment at 25 to, you know, now I'm 28. And I think I've done like 13 or 14 million. And most of it was in that like a 22 month period. So um, that's kind of the short version. Yeah, that's that's how it started. <laughs> wow, what an incredible story. Yeah. Tell me, what, what drives you? I mean, once you'd made that first 10 grand or something in a very short space of time, why don't you just say to yourself, that's it, I've made it, I've arrived. I can make 10 grand a month for the rest of my life. Yeah, it's a great question. In fact, I think I'm still trying to figure that out. There's just something inside me that drives me. And I don't know if it's negative. I I think it's a mix of negative things that happened as a kid. And then also just the drive to be the best I can be. And for some reason, I just always have been driven to like go for more, to be more, to do more. I guess the easiest way to put it is I just imagine myself on my deathbed and I take it really literally. And I want to look back and just be like, wow, like my life, I crushed it. Like I took everything... I was given and I exceeded what most people would do with it. And and today I feel like I've done that. I feel like I've literally taken everything that was given to me and I've maximized it. And, and I don't know, there's just something about that. I've, I've had a deep fear of being average, of being like just another person. And at the end of the day, unfortunately, I think that's something you can't ever overcome. Even Oprah Winfrey or Barack Obama or, you know, Donald Trump, any, these big name people, I mean, you'll still meet people who have no idea who they are. And I think there's something about that that is kind of deflating for me. But I think when sports ended, it made me feel like a very average person. And I have a big fear of that for some reason. I, I'm, I'm sure, you know, maybe a psychologist or someone could you know, break it down for you. But ultimately, I just, I'm just driven to be great. And I think once you made the money, you realize, man, like this didn't really make me happy. You know, I, when you're broke, that's all you can think about. And to an, to an extent, money will make you happy. But I think they've even done studies where they say after a certain amount, it doesn't. And so what I've realized is that once you get to that level, it's more about how can you leave you know an impact or help other people? Because that's really where you're going to find your happiness. Um, and hopefully that wasn't too long-winded of an answer. But so long story short, I think end of the day, once you've made the money and you're sitting at the quote unquote top of the mountain where your financial needs are 100% met and you will never have to worry about money again, you start having to think outside the box like, well, shoot, you know, I'm in a position that 99% of people on earth will never be in. What's next? And 
it's funny, but the more money, more problems, I don't think it's actually more problems. It's just, you now have bandwidth to think about things outside of how am I going to make money today? Like, how am I going to pay my bills? And most people on earth never get to that level. And so ironically, by being successful, you actually come up to new roadblocks that are harder to navigate because you don't have as much advice because most people have never gotten to that position. Hopefully that makes sense. It's just most people are constantly just paying the bills. So they never think beyond their immediate needs because they're not able to versus when you're a multimillionaire or even billionaires, you're now able to think like, what makes me happy? How do I want to spend my time? Where should I spend my money? Who do I want to help? Who do I want to spend my life with? Like stuff that before maybe you just didn't spend a lot of time thinking about. So again, sorry if it's a long-winded answer, but that's that's those are my thoughts. <laughs> no, that's that's really really uh, um, insightful. And I'm um, just listening to you talking. It, it reminds me of something that I tell people um, who come to see me. I think this will resonate with you. I say to them, imagine you're on your deathbed. And you've got around you all of the ghosts of the ideas, um, the products you could have invented, the, the things you could have done. They're all standing around you at your deathbed and they're looking at you with angry eyes saying, we came to you out of 7 billion people in the world. We came to you and now we're going to have to die with you. I guess what you're doing is you're making sure when you are ready to meet your maker, you're going to die with your pockets empty because you, you're going to say, I've done absolutely everything I ever wanted to do. Yeah, it's, it's, just a, it's just a feeling of fulfillment. Even when football or American football, I should say, didn't work out, it wasn't because I felt like I hadn't worked out enough or I hadn't dedicated myself enough or I felt, you know, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm an average white dude, right? Like I, with average genetics, in my opinion, and I was able to squat over 600 pounds and I was able to bench over, you know, 450 and stuff that for some of these guys, they just walk in and they can do it. I played with a couple of guys who were top 10 draft picks, you know, getting 20, 30, $40 million contracts. And I, when I look back now, I realized that I maximized what I was given, even though it wasn't um, as much. Right. And, and there's just something about that. I think that's as a human being, like that's all you can do. And for me, it just gives me a lot of satisfaction to know that I literally did my best um, and when I say my best, I really mean my best. Some people, I, you know, I think they say they try hard, but it's like, were you doing 12 hour days? Were you going to the gym two to three times a day? Were you, you know, like literally anything and everything like your life dependent on it type work ethic. And so I just get a lot of satisfaction from that because it just makes me feel like, I don't know, I'm maximizing my life. You only get one life, right? So why would you want to do anything less than your best? And I've just... I just, I don't know if it was my parents. I don't know if it was, I got made fun of as a kid. I, I, it just drives me so much. Um, and I think that's why I just keep going and going and going because there's just something inside me. It's like this, it's just like a fire inside. I don't know how else to describe it. That just helps me kind of keep pushing. I hear you. I don't think that fire is gonna, ever going to go out. Tell me, how did you uh, move from your first business from uh, Fit Warrior to Elite CEOs? How did you transition from one to the other? Yeah. And why? Yeah, no, great. It's a great question. Uh, very simply, I started having massive success. And, you know, one of the easiest ways to transition to business coaching, in my opinion, there's a lot of ways, but if you have success in something that is outside of coaching, right, like business coaching, it's very easy to go, well, look, I built this massive company. Like you can obviously do it too. All you have to do is copy me. So 
I just started doing very well. I was making a lot of money as a trainer. I mean, most trainers are making 50, 60 grand a year, you know, maybe in a British pounds, it's 40. I don't know what it is over there, but long story short, it's not very much. And they were like, Tanner, like, how are you doing this? And I was like, well, I mean, I guess I could show you because essentially I just had to show them the back end of my business. I didn't have to make new videos. I didn't, it took me no more effort. So I started just selling business coaching to trainers. And before you knew it, it was making more money than my fitness business. And I think more so of that is because when it's a financial ROI business, you can charge more. Um, the people are a little more motivated, right? You know, they're not trying to lose 30 pounds because they're not working out and eating healthy. They're trying to make more money, right? A lot of trainers, for example, they have a decent work ethic. They just don't know what they're doing. Um, so anyways, hope that makes sense. And then it just started taking off. And then before you know it, I was like, well, shoot, you know, like I better go all in with this thing because it's making a ton of money. So I still run both businesses, but I tell people the truth. My first business is at a much smaller scale now because you just start looking at margins and revenue and how big you can push a business. And you can definitely push a fitness-based business. But once you're getting past kind of a seven-figure year mark, at least in the high ticket space, high ticket for anyone who's listening would just be, you know, $1,500 plus programs typically. Um, you have to start transitioning to more of a like low ticket model, which just takes a lot of work and effort. And I knew that up front. So when I hit that road to keep moving as fast as I could, I was just like, Hey, the most logical thing for me to do is to just show other trainers what I'm doing. They're asking, they want it, they're willing to pay it. And it just started growing so fast. I was like, I mean, I think that business went zero to seven figures in like three months. It was insane. Um, Crazy, so yeah. Bro. yeah. Hope that answers the question. I talk a lot, man. You got to stop me. <laughs> no, no, no. Everything makes per per perfect sense. And I'm, I'm sitting there writing notes and I get the feeling that a lot of our listeners are doing exactly the same thing. Um, and I, I said in my intro that you feel that despite all the challenges business owners are facing at the moment, this might in fact be a good time to start a new business. Why is that? Yeah, well, I mean, so with the COVID-19 virus, obviously it's it's affected the entire world to the point where any brick and mortar business at this point is essentially shut down unless let's say you're a restaurant doing to go orders. So my business was made perfectly for something of this nature. Um, you know, an online business is exactly the, the only thing you can do at this moment. So whenever the virus hit, it didn't affect my business at all. In fact, it's enhanced it. I think I may, I'm, we're going to hit new records now. We're, there, there's other factors to making more revenue in a month. But obviously, I think it's helped online business owners. And at this point, it's forcing people to go online. So before, you know, someone might have been, hey, you know, Kizzy, this is a decent idea. I'll think about it. At this point, if you want to sit and think about it, it's like you can do that, but you're not making any money. There's literally nothing to do but to go online. And uh, I'm making more money now than I did before because people are looking for alternatives. So it really just fits hand in hand with my current business model because part of what we do is help trainers, other online business owners go online. So it's just like, it's just, it's unfortunate. Like I'm not happy the virus has happened, but in terms of business, it's better than ever because that's the only solution at this moment. I remember reading somewhere that you said that, um, um, in terms of starting a business, this might be a good time because you won't be tempted um, by spending because there's not much you can spend money on. Is, is that right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Honestly, yeah. I mean, there's nothing to do but sit at your house and get on your computer. So to me, 
you know, people will make a lot of excuses when, I mean, they just, that's just human nature, right? I don't have time. I have kids. I don't have money, X, Y, and Z. At this moment, it's like, what's your excuse? You're sitting at home on your computer. You can't work. So why not go ahead and start your business? This is the best time to start a business because you don't have your other job to go to. Um, I can tell, I can tell, you know, the listeners from personal experience, it's hard to work a job and also start a business. It's the hardest thing in the world to do because you're, you don't have a lot of energy. Like you're, you're, you're coming at the end of a day of eight, nine, 10 hour days at work. Plus you got kids or a wife or a family or a girlfriend, whatever. And then you got to spend the next four to five hours working on your business. That's generating no income. That's hard. So to me during the virus, when you have all this extra time, why wouldn't you try to start an online business? Because there's no other obligations. You're just sitting at home. So I, yeah, I hundred percent would agree with your statement and like, you know, take it a step further with what I just added. Brilliant. So wise, so insightful. And you know what? I think what you're saying now is what a lot of people need to hear because most people are thinking, oh my God, you know, the, the economy's crashed. What can, how can we eat? But what you're saying is this might actually be a good opportunity for you to create a new a new career for yourself. Sure, absolutely. And I also just feel the top, the cream of the crop rises to the top. So anytime a recession hits, if you just look at history and you look at some of the big players, a lot of them do very well. They've prepared for it. They're and they're and they're good at their job. So a recession isn't bad for everyone. It's only bad for the people who are not skilled. And I don't mean that in a bad sense. I guess I just mean it if if you really want to be a business owner and you really think you have what it takes, why wouldn't you bet on yourself? Why I mean, it just makes no sense to me. I just think everything is that's happening right now makes it the most logical time ever to start an online business. And and if you can't do it now, you know, you probably aren't going to be able to do it when things go back to normal. And I would rather take the fight, like, I guess, to the public where I can try to make revenue and control my outcome than sit on my couch and hope that the government shutdown ends in six months. Because while you're waiting for it to end, you're just losing money. That's defensive. It's not, you're not enhancing your life. You're not really, that That to me just feels powerless. And I don't know if it was how I was raised or just my mindset, but I would rather you know, just try to do something that's trying to change my situation than just sit back and say I'm powerless to change anything because, you know, people are still making money right now. My business is making a ton of revenue right now. I know other business owners who are still making a ton of revenue. So it's not that it's impossible. It's just, yeah, you have to like do something. You have to take action. Um, and I think that's where most people, they just let fear outride, I don't know, like action. It's, I don't know. I, it's just hard. Like I know in the beginning it's hard, but where I'm at now, it just doesn't make sense to me anymore. I think we can all relate to that. It makes perfect sense. Yeah. Uh, before we continue with our chat, we're going to take a quick break, have a cup of tea and listen to some music. This week's incredibly talented entrepreneur is Palab Sarkar, founding director of London-based Apollo Strategic Communications. Now, Apollo is a strategic communications agency which specializes in helping elite companies, organizations and individuals engage with their target audience. But when he's not making, molding and mobilizing public opinion, Palab picks up a pen and microphone and produces nothing short of sheer magic. Here he is, Palab Sarkar, performing Not Gonna Fall In Love With You. Have a listen. My heart is open to the future every day. But when I first saw you, I couldn't keep 
question I really didn't know what to say I should have walked away right then I'm Brian Stolley, founding partner of Wildcat Venture Partners. Hey, Tanja Lee here, all the way from Melbourne, Australia. I'm a leadership and mindset specialist for real estate and property professionals. Hi, I'm Jonathan from Amplify. Hi, I'm Johnny Cole, CEO of Pay by Phone UK. I'm Kenneth Afiano, the founder of Jogwefa, an ethical fashion brand based in Ho, Volta Region, Ghana. My Friday is never the same without Kizzy's Friday Game Changes. So we went on a bike ride. While you were shivering to the bone I got a little drunk that night And called you on the phone I think about you every day and every night Don't you think it's funny that I knew you first sight And even though my heart tells me this is true I'm not gonna fall in Chief Explorer at Cat Explorer, and I love listening to Kizzy's Friday Game Changers. And I know what happens next. A lot of pain and heartache, silly breaking up text. So I'm not gonna fall in love with you, with you, with you. Get in touch with Kizzy's Friday Game Changers by emailing FridayGameChangers at email.com and follow us on Twitter by searching for Kizzy's Friday Game Changers. Don't you think it's funny that I knew you at first sight And even though my heart tells me this is true I'm not gonna fall in love with you Kizzy's Friday Game Changers, elevator pitch of the week. Please stand back from the closing doors. Please select a level. Going up. Hi, I'm Hayden, co-founder of Z Relief, an Australian family business. Z is the first 100% natural product range to contain the unique therapeutic benefits of Australian Kunzi oil. Tasmania's best kept natural secret. Kunzi cream is the most popular product in the Z Relief range. It may help arthritis, muscle pain, joint swelling and inflammation. With thousands of five-star reviews, we are so proud and grateful that we can help people across the world live a pain-free life. Visit us at zerorelief.com. Top floor, good luck. Kizzy's Friday Game Changer, Book of the Week. Hi, my name is David Furs, mentor, coach and CEO of Launch Commercial Solutions in Brisbane, Australia. I have over 20 years experience in the commercial world. I love reading business books 
and I recently read one called Profit First by Mike Michalowicz. As a qualified accountant, I immediately became interested in a business book written for business owners and focusing on improving cash flow. The author stated that profits should be allocated first from your revenue and the remainder should be used to pay your expenses. This confused me at first as it was totally different to the standard profit and loss calculation of revenue takeaway expenses equals profit. Seeing it in practice, I understand it's about budgeting with your cash more effectively and putting aside not only a percentage for profit, but allocating other cash expenditure you require, such as GST superannuation and tax, and moving it to a separate bank account. The whole premise is around the psychology of Parkinson's law, which states that work expands to fill the time available. In this case, the cost will escalate because there is money in your operating bank account. The theory is you remove the cash from your operating bank account to another account, out of sight, out of mind, and you remove the temptation for non-essential expenditure. Simple but psychologically effective. Your mindset changes, costs reduce, and you have the cash to pay the government and staff when due. More importantly, you will start to be able to pay yourself cash at the end of the year and actually take something out of your business. This method is quite effective if done consistently and the allocation between the accounts is accurate. It is an easy read and any business, uh, any support business can get to manage cash flow more effectively is well and truly worth it. I think every business owner should read this book and give the theory a try. Hi, this is Sandra Spataro, co-CEO and co-founder of InspireCore. My Friday wouldn't be the same without Kizzy's Friday Game Changers. Welcome back. Before the break, you're listening to Palab Sarkar, founding director of London-based Apollo Strategic Communications. And Palab was singing, Not Gonna Fall In Love With You. I'm in the studio talking to Tana Chidester, CEO of Elite CEOs. Before we get back to our conversation, I've got a, a note here to remind me that Oxbridge has launched a £35,000 bursary fund in response to the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, for more information on Oxbridge and the courses on offer, head to Oxbridge homelearning.uk that's oxbridgehomelearning.uk to find out more about this £35,000 bursary fund right that's it said and done um Tanner we're at the past present and future part of the show now just in case you don't know what this means it means that I'm going to ask you three easy questions that will hopefully give us a unique insight into the mind of super game changer Tana Chidista, will you submit to the program? Yeah, let's do it, man. Hit me. This is going to be so much fun. I want you to take a deep breath. Uh, <laughs> I want you to loosen your shoulders. Um, have a sandwich. This is going to be fun, okay? <laughs> yeah, let's do it. Hit me. Okay, let's start with the past. Imagine yourself traveling back in time to meet the young Tana Chidista. Tana's at a crossroad. He has to decide whether to take a well-paying and secure job or make a go of it on his own and try his idea of running his own business. What would you advise him and why? Yeah, I honestly, I would have told my younger self to hire someone faster. I think a big objection people come up with, um, and even I did when I started was, well, I can't afford to pay someone. You know, obviously, usually you can't afford it because that's why you want to start a business, right? Most people at the core, they want to start a business because they're broke, Right. We, we all say we want to help people. And I think that's true. But I think that comes later. I think at the core, when I started a business, I was like, I'm very broke. I want to stop being broke. I want to make money. So the thing that really helped me the most is when I finally hired someone, even if they weren't the best, even if they told me incorrect things, even if it's like, quote unquote, was the wrong information, 
you learn extremely fast from that. And what I've learned, as cliche as it sounds, that there's you can't be successful without making mistakes. So really, in my opinion, success comes from whoever makes the most failures the fastest. And the way I've found that you can do it the fastest is simply hiring people at a high level who give you one-to-one attention, who are in a position you want to be. And even if it's bad advice, like devil's advocate, they're the worst coach. It's the worst program. You learn so fast from experience what you should or shouldn't do versus someone who goes on YouTube and tries to piece everything together for free. It sounds great in theory, but at the end of the day, the fastest way to get to your goal is to pay people ahead of you. And whether it's good advice or bad advice, it gets you closer to that goal. And once I realized that, I stopped being so scared of spending money because I realized, hey, I'm, I'm worried about this 10 grand or five grand or 15 grand. But if it helps me make millions of dollars, why am I worried about it? And it's hard when you're a beginner. I get that because you can't see the future. But um, now that I've kind of gone through that, I realized that I was just holding myself back by not hiring people and thinking I was going to figure it out on my own because it's just not possible. Like no one successful, in my opinion, at a high level did everything on their own. It's just not how it works. Well, I guess the idea is that success does leave a trail. And if you can find the people who've done what you want to do and you can um, learn from them, you're going to be you know, making shortcuts, aren't you? You're going to get ahead much faster. Yeah, 100%. And if you don't have the fun, like, and again, this is my opinion, and I know it's a pretty bold one, but in my opinion, I think the best way is like, you do whatever you have to do to pay the person who you think is going to help you. Because if you don't, you kind of just sit around in la la land where you're not making any progress. And what I've seen, not only in my own life, but if you don't make some type of success quickly, eventually you will quit because you're going to start wondering, you know, why am I putting all this work and effort in? I'm not getting anything out of it. It's human nature. So the faster you can start something and get a little level of success, one sale, two sales, whatever, it'll help you keep going um, which I think is very important. If it, like, if it wasn't for that mentor I had, I probably almost quit like five times in the first two years where I made two grand. And if I had, I never would have made 13, 14, 15 million, whatever it is that I've made now. Um, so yeah, anyways, I, I'm, I'm opinionated, but I, I promise it's from experience, not just like reading books or something. <laughs> no, no, I believe it. Absolutely. And I agree with what you're saying 100%. I'm, I'm wondering, during those early years, did you ever find yourself at a point of no return, a point where you said to yourself, well, I've burnt my bridges. I can't go back. I have to keep going forwards. Yeah, I think when I left school. So I had a year left of engineering and uh, the school I was going to was like number two in the country. Very prestigious school, very hard to get into. And my parents literally thought I was an idiot. I mean, they were like, this is the dumbest thing you could do. Um, and I think at that point, I don't know if it's pride or what it was, but I felt that I had to make it work because if I didn't, I'd have to listen for the rest of my life that told you so, told you so. And I it, that really helped push me um, because I think from a young age where people made fun of me, then I played sports. You know, people were like, oh, you're not going to go that far in sports. It was always just kind of like, the underdog mentality. And so, yeah, I think that definitely helped me a lot. I guess there's, there's some um, reality here that um, usually when you're trying to do something extraordinary, people call you crazy. And then when you make it work, they call you for advice. Yeah, you, you, you say it a lot more eloquently than I do. But yeah, it's, it's, it's right. And, you know, pe people, it's not even their fault. And I've realized that people just simply, 
they have to do that because if they don't and you're successful, it just shows, you know, they have to look themselves in the mirror and realize that like they just didn't do the work. And that's a hard thing for people to swallow. So a lot of times they're going to try to downplay what you're doing or make you feel bad so that they don't have to feel bad about not taking the risk. Your background in sport, I think, would have played a real, a really crucial role to your career as a, as a business game changer because a lot of success in sport, from my understanding, is simply turning up and going through the routine and going through the training time and time and time again. Isn't it, That's probably the same for business, isn't it? Yeah, 100%. I think, I think sports definitely helped me because when things got hard, I would just work out more or work out harder or try more versus sometimes if you don't go through that adversity, I think you get punched in the mouth and you kind of like whimper in return. And I, I, yeah, I think it helped me a lot in business because when things didn't work initially, instead of like crying and pouting about it, I was like, okay, like what am I doing wrong? Did I hire the wrong person? Am I doing this the wrong way? And I, I knew I had the work ethic. So for me, it was always, I just don't know what to do. That was always in my head, like, I can do the work. I'll lick the floor if I had to. I just didn't know what to do to make it work. And so, yeah, that mentality definitely carried over into business. And I've seen a lot of successful business owners with sports backgrounds because I think the biggest thing sports teaches, especially those that play at a higher level, is just like hard work, grit, determination, like all those cliche words. Because in sports, that's really what it comes down to. Like once you know, besides the skill, once skill levels are equal, it's just who's going to work the hardest. Um, so yeah, I think it definitely carried over into business 100%. That makes sense. Um, let's, let's move into the present. Tana, what one business gamble have you taken that you weren't sure would pay off, but eventually it did? <sighs> Man. Well, <laughs> I guess dropping out of school. I know I keep bringing that up. It was dropping out of school and then I spent about $50,000 on business coaches before I ever made an actual real return uh, from it. Meaning that I think a lot of the coaches I spent money on, I was spending a bunch of money, but I wasn't making money off their methods. It was like I was making money in spite of their methods. So dropping out of school and then I think pushing through that, I think most people they're not willing to spend 50 grand without a return, especially as a like 22, 23 year old kid. I mean, it just, it just doesn't happen very often. So between those two, um, that kind of changed my mindset entirely where it's just like, I can literally do anything. Um, and I really believe that it's just, it's just really comes down to, are you willing to match the reward with the sacrifice? Um, and as I've grown a bigger business, I'll be honest, there's some stuff I'm not willing to sacrifice for. Like, I know what I'd have to do to get to $100 million a year. Uh, but I don't know if I want to do that anymore. Because I've realized, you know, like, I got my business to like around 10 mil a year. And now I'm going, man, to get to 100 mil, I'm gonna have to do all these other things. I'm like, I don't know if I want to do that. So uh, it's a good reality check as well. Just kind of lets you know like what's possible. And then also just, you can be honest with yourself about what you would have to do to hit certain goals. Wait, wait, you, you've, um, you, you lost me about sure. three seconds ago when you said to me, uh, Kizzy, I was 22 years old and I was spending up to 50,000 on mentors and coaches. I'm thinking yeah. 50,000, Tanner, <laughs> mate, what were you doing? Were you playing poker? Were you doing ah. a well, how? How'd you do that? Yeah, no, it's a great question. So I was living at home, right? So I didn't have any bills. And then what I would do is I would go serve tables. You know, I would do door-to-door -door sales, whatever. I was making anywhere between, 
you know, three to four grand in my best months, two to three grand in an average month. And then I would just sign up. Coaches on average would cost me five to 10 grand for like, let's say three month program. And I would just take all that money and pay them. So the only, the only reason it worked for me is because I was willing to move home. But, you know, I'm so glad I did because that's kind of the battle with some entrepreneurs is they go, hey, Tanner, I, I want to do what you did, but I can't afford it. And I'm like, well, there's only two things you can do. You can either save more money, which probably isn't going to happen, right? Because if, if you're only making $3,000 or 3,000 pounds a month, you know, after rent and your bills, you have nothing left. And then as soon as an emergency pops up or you go to the hospital or whatever, it's gone. So to me, I was like, I don't know how to make more money. So the only thing I can do is save more. The only way I can save more is if I move home. So it was really hard because, you know, there's a lot of pride there, right? Like you're 20, even, even, even if, even at that young age, like some people be like, oh, that's not bad. But yeah, it was a pride thing for sure. And I was, I was embarrassed, but I wanted to be successful so bad that I knew that I was like, look, if I pay enough people, even if they suck, even if they're lying, even like I play devil's advocate so much, trust me. I was like, eventually I'm going to figure it out. It, it's not if it's when, and when you start having that attitude in life, it's amazing how things will start to go your way because it, it, it statistically is impossible unless you're literally, you know, you're not very bright. Let's just say that it's impossible to keep trying different things and not figure it out because every time you try something, it's like, okay, that didn't work. Cross it off. Next thing that didn't work. Cross it off. Next thing that, and eventually you're going to figure it out. Right. And so I just really took that mentality to where I was like, I'd rather be successful starting my business. I'd rather be homeless than not be successful in my business. And I was really keeping that mentality. And I think the reason my parents allowed me to do that is because they saw me working 10, 12 hours a day. I think if I had been at home playing video games, they would have kicked me out. But my dad, he's just so big on work ethic that I think, you know, I moved home, he never saw me. I was in my room all day trying to generate leads and sales and marketing. So yeah, that was a, that was a, a benefit I had that maybe others don't, but whatever you have to do to lower your expenses so you can pay other people, you have to do it because I have no, I don't have another choice. I didn't see any other way out. Um, so I just did the only way that I saw that was a real possibility for me. And it's important that when you are trying new things, you don't see failure. You just see feedback and you're just moving one step closer towards actually succeeding. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. That's correct. Okay, um, that's the past and the present. Let's move into the future. Now, assuming assuming that in 10 years' time, you're still taking my calls and we're still mates, right? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm, I'm looking you up. <laughs> what, what will you be doing in 10 years' time, Tanner? Oh, man. I think that's the question of the day, Kizzy. I don't, I don't know yet. I've been, I've been spending a lot of time thinking about that because I think I'm in that spot where I'm completely out of my business. I have a COO, you know, I do some manager meetings here or there, but I'm pretty much out of it. So I've really had the time and bandwidth to go for my next business, for my next adventure. What do I really want to do? And I don't have to think about money. I don't have to think about the margins. I don't have to think about paying people. It's literally, I can just do something that I enjoy and I could break even and probably be happy. Right. So uh, I have a few things in the works right now. Like I'm actually writing a book and I have some softwares I'm trying to build for my current clients that I think will enhance their experiences and their businesses. Other than that, I don't know. Um, I've just been taking a lot of walks. I've been leaning, excuse me, reading a lot of books and I've been trying to figure that out because, um, 
you know, I just turned 28 and I kind of feel like I have the whole, my whole life in front of me. And I, I don't think I've really sat down to breathe and just kind of think about what I want because the last two years has been an absolute whirlwind. I, I, I look back now, I think I had more happen the last two years than it did my first, you know, 25, 26 years. So, um, I wish I had a better answer for you, but I'm sure you'll see me starting other business ventures and doing other things. I want to do a lot more like humanitarian work. I actually had a trip to Africa, uh, to Kenya where we were going to build some schools and that got canceled, unfortunately, just like yesterday because of the COVID-19 virus. But that's, that's kind of what I'm looking to do is like do some more service oriented work, see how I can give back a little bit more, try to build a business that is not just thinking about what's the margins and what's the profit going to be just actually doing something I just like. Um, but at the top at this time, I don't really know. Uh, and I, it might be sad to say, but I, I've just been so busy and so, you know, the business grew so fast that I just, I don't think I've really had time to think about it. So that's, I'm literally in that spot, like this very second, I'm trying to kind of work through it. Well, look, I've, I've got a crystal ball yeah, and I'm, I'm gazing into it. Right? <laughs> I'm gazing into it. I see Tanner and Kizzy in Mexico opening a pub, right? Call it Tana and Kizzy Ole, uh, TKO, all right? Exactly. And we'll, we'll, we'll just serve tequilas all day. What do you reckon? Dude, I wouldn't mind. I love Cancun. I love Cozumel. So sign me up. <laughs> done. Done. This is, this, is, this is the future. This is the future. Tana, we've run out of time. I knew we were going to. I, I was hoping we wouldn't, but I knew we would. Um, we've run, there's so many things I want to talk to you about. And I'm wondering... It, let's try and get together again in a couple of months' time and touch base and maybe just share some more of your insight and wisdom with our listeners on the show. What do you reckon? Absolutely, man. I really appreciate being here. Uh, you let me talk your ear off, so that's that's always two things I like. So, yeah, th- I'm definitely down for it. The pleasure has been all mine. Now, um, as you're here with me on the show, is there anybody uh, listening or maybe not listening that should be listening that you'd like to say hello to? Yeah, I just want to say hello to David Fry. I, th- I mentioned him earlier in the um, podcast, but, I mean – I just think without him, I wouldn't be where I am today. He he never takes enough credit for it. He always says I did everything, but um, you know, he was just the one person who told me I could do it. And I think at the time, uh, I really needed that. You know, I don't I don't need it as much anymore because my mentality is a little different. But I think without him, I wouldn't have pushed through. And so, yeah, big shout out to David Fry just for kind of helping me get to where I am today. Love the guy. Excellent, Tana. It's been a pleasure having you on the show. Thank you so much for your time. Yeah, absolutely, man. Excited to connect again and uh, hope hope I brought some value. Thank you so much for having me. Well, the short time I've spent with Tana has been nothing short of an eye-opener. It's so encouraging to hear a game-changing business leader talking honestly and openly about success, resilience, and self-belief. Tana reminds us that it's your reaction to adversity, not adversity itself, that determines how your life story will develop. Listen, learn, and innovate. Playing us out is a track called But I'll Try, performed by Palab Sarkar, founding director of London-based Apollo Strategic Communications. See you next week. Love this game-changing interview? Share your thoughts by posting a comment. Sharing is caring. Don't you know I love you and I wonder why? Long old summer, but I'll try.
My name's Julian Leach, I'm co-founder and CEO at Parcel Point, and my Friday would not be complete without Kizzy's Friday Game Changers. And the hummingbird is singing sweet, sweet, sweet song. It's been a long old summer, but we're strong. Game Changer Show, Game Changer Show, Game Changer Show. Mm-hmm.